2: Uh, Weekend Managing Madrid podcast. It's uh, it's your free show for all you freeloaders. <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, this is your host Gabe Lesra, um, and I'm joined by my very good friend, my man Keon Sabani. Uh Keon, how's it going?
0: I'm doing great. I'm excited to chat some football. Sunny night yeah, with my I'm boys, my homie G's. Um,
2: my other man, my other homie G, uh, Om uh, Arvind, so-called fan, also joining the show. Uh, Ohm, welcome. Welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me on again. It's as become... usual, as you are a co-host. so like, <laughs> I, I get my podcast confused, folks. I, <laughs> like, I don't know like what, what's going on half the time. But uh, the, the obviously what we're talking about this week, is, or this show, is Real Madrid 1, Atletico Madrid 1 in the Derby. Um, I mean, this... This was a match that played out like a lot of Real Madrid derbies in the Simeone era, guys.
0: Specifically at the Bernabeu, like this yeah. was it was it was a stereotypical game at the Bernabeu against Atleti in the Simeone era. A lot of possession, uh, Atletico kind of sitting in a deep low block, do shit all for ninety minutes, and then they pop up and score. And in between, have a few dangerous counterattacks and. Uh, And it's just a tight game, and you know, with respect to them, uh, they generally do defend well, and they generally, you know, on their day, there's there are a few better in the world, if any, who can defend the way they do, and um, they. But they did have a few dangerous counterattacks, like uh, you know, Kayla came up big again. And uh, I think I think we dodged a few bullets with certain things, like I have some bones to nitpick with Mateo Kovacic tonight, and uh, we did have that inc- incorrect offside call on Vitolo, where where Partey put in that really nice pass down the flank, and you know, behind Cruz and Marcelo. But other than that, I think a lot of Madridistas are generally happy, but kind of understand that this is just the way it is against Atleti, and the league's over, and... And there's almost, like, this who cares, like, what, you know, vibe to yeah. it, but
2: that is that's actually kind of the the vibe that I got just following the Twitter. In fact, uh, you guys probably uh, were... I mean, not just that I were probably. I know you guys were both involved in the whole fight about whether Madrid was going to give the Basillo to Barcelona. And it seemed like people were more interested in talking about that narrative than they were about anything about this game. Yeah, I mean, I think, see... I think we'll that's... talk about the pasillo in a, th- a second. We, I want to talk about it on this show. We will talk about yeah. it, but I, I do want to get some of the analysis that people log in, that log on, download, listen to this show for, because the pasillo talk is, is going to be a lot of just whinging and joking and <laughs> <laughs> not, and it's not going to be what, what, what people log on for exactly. So let's just run down the kind of advanced stats. Uh, I'm just looking here, obviously Madrid, um, lining up in, in a four four two ish system with Bale uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Asensio, and Vazquez uh, kind of forming their main attacking line, a double pivot of Toni Kroos and Mateo Kovacic. Kovacic obviously was uh, uh, sitting pretty deep, as he does, um, allowing more freedom for Kroos to go up. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean... For me, guys, I think the big story of the match was how much better Bale looked in the second half uh, as he drifted more wide.
0: Yeah, I, um, I'd i be curious to know what Ohm thinks about this. I think <clears throat> the thing with Bale is that uh, I when I saw the lineup, I was half excited, half not excited. I was half excited because... It was very similar on paper without looking at where the players are. Just just looking at the person I was like, hey, this is kind of like possibly a four two three one that we saw in the Calderon last season. Because Benzema's not there, Kovacic in a double pivot, Lucas Vasquez on the right, and not Isco, but Asensio and then Bale on the left. But I also was half worried because I was like, No, this is probably just gonna be that annoying four four two where yep. Bale doesn't really touch the ball and Exactly, my thought. About it's <laughs> not his. It's not his best role, and he gets isolated. And I thought there was a apart from that to start the game. I don't know if you guys remember. There was that moment where Bale turns somebody and makes a really nice run. Yeah, down the it's right a really flank. good turn. Yeah, and then he didn't really stay on the right at all after that. And Lucas Vasquez kind of shifted over there. Asensio and Bale kind of interchange. And look, you look at their heat maps in the first half; they're both very, you know, much roaming. And then in the second half, Bale very much stays more to the left. But I thought, you know, against a team like Atleti, Bale's, Bale really can't play off the shoulder of a defensive line and catch them with his pace because Atletico don't play that high defensive line. They they sit deep. And so Bale, in that sense, is going to be limited if that's where you're going to resort him to. He had the fewest amount of touches of anyone in the first half. Only person who had less was Kaylor. And it just... You know, I just feel like if you're gonna have Bale on the field, have him a bit, a bit deeper and let him just have the ball. Let him be a funnel because I, I, you know, we all know like isolated Bale, especially against a deep defensive team, is yeah, it's not ideal.
2: Yeah, and if you look at this, um, just the past maps and, and and the kind of average position, obviously, like this does look a lot like that four four two. But it, you also just notice this huge, just gaping left wing that you feel like a Bale marcello combination could have really, really been useful in. And uh, you know, it, obviously, Marcelo was the you know d- d- driving force. He was the uh, uh, the 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 top Madrid player in XG chain, but I would also say that, like, if if, if we start bail on that flank more, or, like, in that 4-2-3-1 with him in the flank, in a sense, you in the center, I just feel like this is a totally different way to approach a team in a low block rather than this 4-4-2, four, four, which we've kind of seen the way it goes.
1: I mean, I completely agree with that. It's... I mean, I mean, Keon pretty much said everything I wanted to say. Right.
2: This, and that's uh, a goddamn. This like, it feels <laughs> like we have this conversation about Atletico matches before. It feels like we've had this exact conversation about Real Madrid matches against teams in low blocks before. Uh, and so I, I don't mean to like be flippant, but like uh, I, I, I almost don't like know where else to go with how to how to analyze this
1: game at this point. I mean, I think. I mean, I I have some stuff to say about Atletico, but I I'll just quickly say what I wanted to say about Bale. So, like like Kian mentioned, is is the only time Bale really looked bright is when he was taking touches on the flank, and when I when I mean on the flank, I mean hugging the byline, not just kind of in that general area. So that it begs the question: Why not play Bale there if Benzema is not on the field, and if you're going to play Ronaldo as a center forward? I mean, it's just I. It, it it doesn't even it's this is not even looking at it in an abstract sense looking at Bale's qualities it's it's you saw the evidence on the field R- really the only time he ever looked dangerous is when he was on the flank and running at defenders with pace on the counter attack and basically in every other instance Bale looked lost because he's simply not a, a cent- he's not a center forward he doesn't understand how to play that role and it doesn't look like he's made that much progress from when Ancelotti had a failed experiment with Bale as a center forward against Juventus. And so I'm not really... I don't really understand why it continues to happen. I'm glad it, Bale kind of worked a way around it today. Yeah, me too. I also think that it probably wouldn't have worked if Atleti were better. I wasn't really impressed with Atleti today. So this is where I transition into the things I want to say about Atletico Madrid. Yeah, 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 go. And so I, I think... So I was going to kind of like use the pasilla thing to transition into this because I feel like both teams, because this match, it this was one of the most meaningless Madrid derbies in a long time in the sense that Barcelona's already wrapped up the league and I don't think either manager truly, truly cared about you know the result. I think both, both managers were happy with the draw. I mean, Ronaldo was pulled off quickly. I mean, Ronaldo was rested versus Las Palmas. We're up against Juventus 3-0. Um, there was, in my opinion, there was no real reason to pull him out, especially that early Diego Costa came off. We actually have a question on that too. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about that, but go ahead. Diego Costa came off really early. So I was under the impression that the managers just didn't care that much. And I felt, especially for Atletico Madrid, because of, of the type of style they play and the aggressive defensive style, they play and the focus it requires, I Simeone rubs off on his players very much. He's a cult of personality type character. And I just felt because Simeone lacked, in my opinion, just wasn't as motivated to win this. Atletico's defensive organization just wasn't as good. I wasn't as impressed with their compactness. I mean, for, for an average standard for teams, it was very, very good. But for Atletico Madrid standards, in my opinion, it wasn't great. I mean, there were several times where they'd let someone like Lucas just dip into the half space have time to receive the ball turn and, and and make his option there was you know their their ability to cover shadow those passing options into space their their vertical compactness the, the quickness with which they were shifting from side to side was just all just a, a second too slow in my opinion and it's not something I'm used to seeing in Madrid derbies and I think we benefited from that in some instances with you know that 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 goal we scored with Bale just bursting down the counter—it's not often you see that kind of space, and you see, you know, a player like Ronaldo getting that much space into the box. I just felt there was a lack of intensity, um, especially from Atletico Madrid. That came from the fact that just this Madrid, this Madrid derby didn't mean that much. And I also am mm-hmm. starting to feel like that kind of hatred and the novelty of of this Atletico Madrid side facing off against this Real Madrid side is starting. I wouldn't—I don't want to say get old because. It sounds like I'm insulting it, but it it's become familiar, and yeah. so that excitement has kind of drifted off, and it's kind of like we know what to expect. There's not much state here, and it's just going to play out how it's going to play out.
0: This isn't like like I I think that's an important thing to bring up what you just said because this isn't the same Atletico that three years ago uh, put it put in one of the best defensive performances I ever saw against Barcelona in the Champions League. It's it's just not that fear team anymore, and uh, I, I guess it, it tells us something that even despite that they they scored and they almost scored again like immediately after when uh, when Vitolo when Kaylor made that great save. But you look, it's not. First of all, I'd say that I'm still waiting for Coke to become that player we're all like touting him to be because he hasn't mm-hmm. been that impressive this season, and um, he he was a. You know, a clear like go-to for them in this game, and his passing wasn't that great. I wasn't that impressed with him. And it's so funny when you look at the heat map <clears throat> for Atleti in this game. First of all, like we know how deep they sit, and we know how how high they allow the like Real Madrid's fullbacks to go. And Marcelo and Carvajal are basically playing at the corner flag this game. Like that, that just the nature of playing an Atleti team because their counterattacks also haven't been that good generally this season. Right. You, all their wins are one nil. They have they've had nine one nil wins this season. And that's just stereotypical Diego Simeone. And like so it's not like they're gonna overrun you on the counter either they've been slow on the counter in the past and and so you can kind of gamble with Marcelo and Carvajal having them high up the pitch and try to have like, you know, Ramos and Varane stepping in higher to to, to intercept, you know, passes or Closing counter attacks, but it's so funny looking at. I was looking at Diego Godín's heat map in this game, and it's actually funny. Like I actually laughed. He's basically <laughs> just all black. He's he's standing in the net the whole time. That's where his heat map is. It's like this huge thing, like basically playing as a second goalkeeper. And I, I you know, he's probably not going to be there for the whole game, but especially during that like bear. Barricade they set up at the end of the game when Gabby came on for, uh, was it Partey he came on for? No, it was for Diego Costa. Like they just set up that barricade and got away with it. Thank thanks to All Black being amazing, a couple of woodworks, uh, a couple of shots wide. So yeah, I I agree with Um. Like this is not the same feared Atletico, but we just kind of like, we also didn't seem like that up for it in in yeah. a sense.
2: Yeah, although they did take 30 shots on goal. Yes. (laughs) I mean, uh, 30 shots, Madrid produced, you know, 2.4 or so expected goals, which is, so again, underperforming expected goals, which happens against good defensive sides, that's actually... You know, one of the things that F G tells you, but it also it also says that Madrid created the chances where in, in certain circumstances you would expect them to score.
1: I wanna I wanna talk about the expected goals here because I th- I think we probably deserve to win two one, but more because we had a denied penalty shot early in the game. So mm-hmm. so like this is not a criticism of expected goals, but this is a di- continuing discussion about how you use it and how to how because you can't like there's a lot of criticism of expected goals, but I think there's like a middle ground kind of, right? So I think for single match expected goals, there are certain factors that you know expected goals doesn't take into account and they show more yeah. in single games. But over the course of a thousand games, you know, where you have twenty thousand shots it it evens out, right? Because that's the nature of statistics. That's the nature of sample sizes. So in this game, if you look, if you go to understat.com and if you look at the two biggest dots, like really the two biggest dots that influence our XG, the biggest one is 0.55 expected goals. And it's the Ronaldo chance from the corner where Gareth Bale flicks it off his head and into Ronaldo. And that chance, it just, you so wouldn't the expect. Saved?
0: That one, the, yeah. that was the one he came off his balls, right? Uh, no, that was that was, that was Rafael
1: Varane. One? That was Varane. This was the Ronaldo oh. one where like it kind of went off his dying chest. It just came at him in an awkward angle, yeah. and you would and it just it's not something you would have expected Ronaldo to score. But based on the location, you know, based on the type of pass and based on the the body part that Ronaldo was hitting with, you know, just on those factors alone, you'd expect that to go in. And so the Varane shot was the other one, and it was point. Three nine expected goals, which I think is actually a pretty good value given the angle, and Oblak just made an incredible save. But I think the Ronaldo shot really influences that, and so I think, so I think while we had a ton of shots, right, like as the rest of the dots are, are, are really small, is that Atletico Madrid still managed to limit us to fairly low qu- shot quality. It was it was through sheer volume of shots that we were able to accumulate you know, are are significantly higher expected goal. Right. Toward, but that's, but and that's it,
2: what I meant when I said that's a, the mark of a, of actually can yeah, be the mark right. of a good
1: defensive team. I just wanted to go deeper into that and like, yeah. and just provide that kind of angle to expected goals. So like, I think right when you're looking at expected goals in a single match situation, that's where you sit down and you look, you compare like the expected goal value to each shot. You can take that very critical look at it. Um, so that it it has a somewhat limited value. I think that I still think there's a lot of value in such a situation, but where it really, really has value is when you're looking at across an entire season, and you can't you don't you can't simply sit down and look at every single shot and compare like that. It's just the nature of statistics.
2: It's also i would I would add that um players over their careers, uh, or over their seasons, when players outperform the like their actual goals, outperform the expected goals, it's actually um, one of the most interesting things to me that's out there right now in, in, the, in this discussion is whether that means, because I think it does, whether that means or that can be used to describe player, like to talk about the actual effect of player talent, not just luck. Like if you have a player who over a 10-year Premier League career or whatever, right, scores... Uh, 175 goals, but only had, you know, 95 expected goals. Then what you have is actually a player who's making a lot of, a lot of tough shots or you have, uh, and, and he's doing it not just, and at, at that sample size, it's not just luck that those balls are going in. Like he's hitting, uh, he's just a good, you know, good finisher, a good striker. And mm-hmm. like, that's, 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 and you, if you look at the charts, like it actually bears out that analysis, like the people that have low, Goal conversion to XG actually are people that you would kind of expect who are, are a little overrated types, but the people there, the, the people who you would expect also have very high like goals to XG. So like uh, Aguero, I think was very much towards the top of that list. Thierry Henry was I think the top. Um, anyways, that's that's another uh, wrinkle in XG that I find very interesting.
0: I watched for the first time um that video you posted today on Twitter, the Craig Burnley one. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, I, I don't. If I was in Marcotti's shoes, in, in I would clip, have lost it. Yeah, I, I don't that know if you guys, like, have... he triggers, like that is ultimate trigger. Like I couldn't believe yeah. the way he was speaking to him.
1: And and Gab Marcotti as well. I mean, yeah. he, Gab was, deserves respect. I mean, he's one of, he's one of my favorite journalists. He's one of the best journalists just in world football. I. mean, if you guys haven't seen it, all you have to do is go on Twitter and just type in Craig Burley. it's It was actually an old video, but it's being recirculated and it's restarted kind of a debate about expected you know, it, goals, okay. yeah. Uh, I have seen it. We did an episode
2: of Leslie's football where we talked about it and made fun of it. and it's it is actually quite funny. Uh, and it's just the people that have this opinion are basically just scared of the way the world is changing and don't like, uh yeah. and, and feel that the that the things that they like are passing them by. That's it. There's no additional way. I know there I know that some of you disagree with that. I don't care. Do not comment at me about this. I know this is correct. <laughs> yeah. Don't fight me. Uh you're if you don't like uh the uh, uh the adoption of new stats or the, you know, new ways of analyzing games, then
0: you're uh scared of
2: Change in your
0: the future. <laughs> well, it's it's amazing to me that we're so fixated on things like shots, possession, but so scared of expected goals for some reason. Which actually tell us more.
1: It's a very, very I don't want to bang about it on too much because I also want to talk about Real Madrid's tactics a little bit, but it's it's a very natural evolution, right? When someone because what used to happen is there would be a ton of shots and then people would have arguments like, well, they weren't good yeah, shots. They're, yeah, they're not good shots. Or a team would have, like, two shots versus a team that had 20 shots, and 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 the team with two shots would win, and we'd be like, well, that team doesn't deserve to win. And then these very same people who are basically doing what XG, XG does intuitively, or well, they're doing that intuitively, and then when they see expected goals, they become... There's a reaction to it. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to go into, like, why, because some of you may have very personal reasons that I can't explain for why you react to it the way you do, but it's a very natural evolution for what it means to take shots. I mean, obviously, like I mentioned, right, like I just went through ways in which it's not perfect and how you can use your own critical analysis and, and you're, you watching the game to just to to take some of it with a grain of salt. But it's a very natural evolution, and when used in the right way, it's very powerful. So now on to Real Madrid's tactics. So like Keon mentioned, this Atletico Madrid side is not as strong as it used to be, not as fearsome, but yet they still had so many dangerous counters. And I think what we saw... I, I I was actually fairly fine with some of our possession play. I would have liked it if we had a bit more central occupation, but it was just the nature of our formation that it was going to be that way. What I wasn't happy with was our defensive compactness, and this has just been an issue all season. Um, I think we actually pressed more than... Atletico Madrid didn't really press at all. Um, We actually pressed fairly decently. I thought our counter-pressing was okay, but especially in the second half, it just all kind of fell apart, and it just... Whenever we start becoming a little more fluid in attack, it, it just... We don't. We just haven't figured out how to adjust the rest of our players in relation to that. And also, I mean, just you know, we've never been the most organized defensive team ever in realm as just as a club. And under Zidane, that's never been a great strength consistently. And this season, it just came again. And honestly, we should have won that game because Atletico Madrid weren't really offering much as as outlets in 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 when they were countering, but. They still found, you know, plenty of joy. I mean, their expected goals.
2: Yeah, um, 1. 1.
1: 1. 1.3, Sorry. Yeah, one point three one. So it's not like they didn't deserve to nab a goal against us. They definitely did, and it's because our defensive compactness, you know, sometimes off of pressing wasn't the greatest and it, it cost us again i mean not that it really really matters i mean it's not a shame to get a draw against atletico madrid we haven't beat atletico madrid at home since i think 2012 at the beginning of the 2012 13 you mean in la liga right that's yeah in mean. la liga in la liga yeah the champ- obviously they've the they, champions league we won it. last year in the champions league in the Bernabeu. yeah so it's right so like at the end of the day like it you can you can like not be bothered by that that's fine i'm not too bothered by it but it's just evidence of a continuing problem, especially in the league that's existed. And I mean, I would kind of like it just to be better at this point, given how much time we've had to work on it. But I guess this is just what we have to accept.
2: Yeah, I mean, Madrid has been this team that classically can, like, can do really well in the Champions without doing really well domestically. But that's that. And the problem is with that is that uh that kind of (laughs) attitude can seep over a little bit. And so, like, the players, this is their derby game. Like, you should be able to get up for it. You got the sense the players were up for it. But you also got the sense that this wasn't a game that anyone, including Real Madrid uh, and including their coaching staff, was particularly uh, up for thinking about. Uh, They definitely didn't game plan it the way they did uh, the match against Juve, for example, I think. Uh, And so, I mean... Hopefully, all of this works out. Madrid goes on the next round. Makes it back to the semifinals for the billionth consecutive year. Um, And we will forget about this game because there are much more pressing things that other people want to fight about, like home, uh, the Pasillo. Mm. So, the big news Zidane, in a press conference after this match, said Real Madrid will not be doing the Pasillo for Barcelona, assuming Barcelona clinched the league title before. They play Real Madrid um, because Barcelona broke that tradition by not giving us the pasillo when we won the Club World Cup. Uh, I think, that personally, I, I think that fucking rules. I, I think it's really cool, uh, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. So, But the, it has it has led to a lot of um, people to have lots of strong opinions, and I'd, I'd like to get... Uh, <clears throat> to hear from both of you
1: oh uh, yeah so i so i i honestly like i i kind of just neutral just emotion like my emotion to it was just kind of neutral It was a little bit of surprise yeah. because you wouldn't think this is how zinedine zidane would would act in in such a manner because tech generally he's always taken the higher road like Even as a player, I mean, barring, like, just very in the moment, like, his headbutt moment in the World Cup, like, when he's, you know, in a a calm situation, when he's in control, he generally takes the high road, he's generally very classy, we've seen that press conferences all the time, so this didn't feel like a Zidane move to me, like, I could totally see, like, Mourinho doing it, it wouldn't have shocked me, but... So that makes me think there's an alternative motive behind this because, for one, I do I do see kind of I see the justification, but two, it's also kind of petty, and I, I would just rather respect the champions day one, just give it to them, whatever, move on with it. But I feel like he's doing this to light a fire under Real Madrid, and to to give the motivation. I was discussing this with Keon when 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 the news of that came out, is because for me this Real Madrid team oftentimes really needs external motivation. I mean, there's a lot of weird factors here. So I I, I don't, I'm not saying this is the only factor, but I don't think it's a coincidence that our two worst league seasons in the last two decades came after we won a league title. I I, I think there's something to be said about this team needing to have a chip on their shoulder to really play to their full capacity. And I do think it matters to Zidane and I do think it matters to the club to end Barcelona's unbeaten, unbeaten run in the league, we can't let them have an invincible season. I mean, it's I mean that's just natural, right? You 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 want to be able to deny your rival something like that. And I just think Zidane really, really wants to give a reason for his for his players to stand up and fight because outside of Real Madrid fans, this this kind of act is not going to be looked upon favorably. It kind of makes him the enemy. It's 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 the classic, you know you know, siege tactic kind of thing, which is very it's it's really weird because Zidane usually doesn't do that kind of thing. I mean, I could just be completely making all of this up, but that's the only way I can really reason this because it doesn't it just doesn't jive with everything I've seen from Zidane thus far because he generally doesn't do things like this as a manager. He generally takes the high road, he's generally very classy.
2: Yeah, and like we don't think of Zidane um I think one of the reasons that I agree with all that take home is that I'm not really the type of person to think of people doing like 12 dimensional chess shit. But like when someone does something that's so clearly out of character like mm-hmm. this, then you gotta figure that there's something else going on. And with Zidane, that something else going on is almost certainly related to, to motivating his team or having something to do with encouraging or, or changing the way his team approaches the match, which rules. And I'm I'm actually totally fine with it. I'm also extremely fine. Um and I'm not mad at all at all the people who are angry at me for not taking, you know, teams a don. You guys are, you know, I'm not angry. You are the ones that are angry. Um
0: and uh you can continue to be angry at me. I just I, I generally don't care, and I and I'm amazed that so many people care. And I think and it's certainly not your takes, but like I I was I kind of funny I kinda of find it funny that uh, so many people think that this is actually an ethical issue. Like, this is... <laughs> yeah, that's the best. That's like, like, I believe in, in, in class age, and, like, <laughs> being good to each other, but, like, this is... To me, like, psychology and sports, like, anything goes within reason. I'm... I believe in trash talk. I believe in... Hell yeah, dude. I believe in any psychological warfare you can take. Um, I don't feel strongly that we should give them a passy or not. I I don't care. I'm fine giving them one. I If Zidane thinks it's you know, it's conducive to the team spirit to not give one, then then great. He, he didn't, his reasoning also wasn't that flawed, by the way. It's that Barca had given pasillos to previous club world championship winners and they didn't for us. And, yeah, no, I mean, look, and, it, and everyone forgot really... about it the day after the game. I think what matters most is, like, are they going to win or not? Because it'd be embarrassing if you didn't give it and then you lost because then Barca would yeah. be like, fuck you guys, we're going to steamroll you now. Or, you give it and then you win i mean obviously winning is all that matters in that game even though the the game itself in a in a vacuum is kind of meaningless because the league is decided but i i'm just amazed about this whole like this is like you know we are real Madrid, we have we have class like Dude, that no. it
2: rules these people are the same people that like they'll freak out about this stuff but then when like uh, uh Mishi bashiyashi or whatever says like hey check it out like these fans are making a monkey <laughs> chance at me they'll say like well look e- look FIFA shouldn't ban that stadium like they shouldn't like kick people out for life for just you know, being passionate fans and they talk about that like this is an ethical issue but that's just being passionate fans like this is Uh, Not an ethical issue, you dumb fucks. It has nothing to do with (laughs) ethics. This is not a moral decision. This is a decision. uh, It's about a a stupid sports game. And you're not even like the ethical issues are all of the things that none of you people care about. (laughs) like there's so many ethical issues in 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 sports but you don't you don't give a shit about them and you don't want us to talk about them because they're like oh keep uh, politics
1: out of football yeah
2: it's like keep stick to sports like keep politics out of football even though like uh, fucking the World Cup host is trying to murder people with nerve gas, right? Like, and and the the next year, the twenty twenty two World Cup host is literally building their uh, their stadiums on the crushed bones of the slave laborers that they whose passports they took. Like that, those are ethical issues, and like this, this, this is where you're going to draw the line.
1: I, this like, come on. Yes. Yeah, so, <coughs> I I kind of wanted to like make um like. A, not an argument but just talk about why I kind of believe in class but now I kind of feel stupid after you said all that but I'm just gonna say it anyway um do it (laughs) so I I mean I agree kind of what Keon was saying like I I I mean trash talk is fine I mean it's, it's especially in american sports like the nba it's very much considered a part of the game it's what people kind of want to see like zlatan ibrahimovic is such like a big phenomenon in, in football because he's a very unique character when there's like 200 million of him in basketball as um, he should be he's awesome so, Zlatan is our god so but I, where where i kind of draw the line is i just don't I wouldn't do anything or, or or kind of say anything or I don't like it when it starts to get legitimately ugly. So banter and trash talk, you know, that's part of the game. And I think most people understand that. But it's kind of like when, for example, when Mourinho like pokes Tito Villanova in the eye and he starts doing things like that. Like that's where I believe that a certain level of class does come into play that is also an ethical issue. Like it is an ethical issue to yeah. go
2: and punch or like assault another coach. Right? Yeah. That is a, that is an immoral thing to do. Yeah,
1: and also I mean I think also why Real, why why this is such a big discussion is because Real Madrid puts themselves on a pedestal when it comes to being classy. It's like considered That's a, that's a good point. One of what's considered one of our values, right? that we're respectful of opponents, that kind of thing. And so there's always going to be a certain level of hypocrisy if we don't try to live up to those lofty expectations that we set for ourselves. But that's why I think that this has nothing to do with that and it's just a mind game thing being played by Zidane. Because if you think about it, Zidane is literally the perfect coach for all of those lofty Classy ideals that we set for ourselves because of how Zidane has conducted himself in every single press conference yeah. And in every single thing he's done as a coach, which is why I think Why I think you can have that discussion right and you can say maybe this is a little hypocritical
0: given
2: yeah. Oh, Real yeah. Madrid's,
1: Given Real Madrid's ideals. I think it misses the point because I think there's something else going
0: on. Yeah, but yeah, but like you said rightfully this is not that like this is not This is nothing to me, this is a separate discussion from its values and stuff. Like one of the things that we often talk about the spirit of Juanito and and, and all this, and sometimes we forget that Juanito was was a badass, crazy motherfucker. And
1: hell yeah, he was. <clears throat> he did a lot of he did a lot of questionable shit on the field. Uh,
0: of course, no, I and I'm, that's not. I'm not kind of going there to kind of yeah, yeah praise yeah. all that stuff. But I think one of the cool things that he was known for is like he would tell players in the tunnel. Uh, like don't don't shake your opponent's hand in the tunnel. Don't look them in the eye. Just just get just go there, intimidate them. Focus on the game and just steamroll them on the pitch. And I think that that stuff to me is really cool. Like I I like that kind of like uh, that arrogance in the sense that if you're you're just using it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but if you're using anything you can psychologically to just show fear eh, to your opponents, like. If, Put put fear into your opponents. I'm all, I'm for that, and no one's gonna. No one remembers that Barca didn't give us a pasillo, by the way, in the last Clasico. No except one's gonna for, remember this either.
2: Yeah, except for some psychotically online Real Madrid yeah. fans who are like, wh- whined about it then and continue <laughs> to whine about it. But you know what? Uh, I agree. No one's gonna remember this at all. In fact, it. I would be okay with this entire tradition stopping. I don't care. This is not something that I I care about. But I will also say that. Um Keon, this it, what you just said reminds me of how there's been this movement in like modern basketball and also I think it's true in in football the less so because players don't like grow up with each other as much towards like these people all being absolute best friends and like giving each other huge hugs and stuff when they see each other on the court and whatnot and like instead of literally you know only 10 15 years ago people were fighting on the court like if you remember like some of the awesome Ron Artest stuff, like that, that, that is also cool. And like, that's a level of intensity that people have. And <coughs> it's just about how you feel yourself and like how you get yourself psyched up for these games. Mm. And there are a lot of players whose entire shtick, right, mm. is looking at, um, looking at the opponent as their enemy. Like, we can be buddies, but for this this period of time, I hate your guts, and I'm going to do absolutely everything I can to to, to own you. And I mean, be stuff. Hell yeah. Um, and I have no problem with that also. Uh, and if Zidane feels like what he really wants is his team to have that mentality with Barcelona, and he feels like maybe they didn't have that mentality coming out of that dressing room in the second half of the previous match, uh, maybe he wants them to, to, to play a little bit more smash-mouth football. Yeah. yeah
1: and I I think that's that's I think you make the important distinction there Gabe that it's about whatever psychs you up because I don't think Keon or I think I don't think what any of us are saying is like it it's like inferior to shake the hands of the opponents or to like put a paseo up or to you know like you know hug your 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 friend from the opposing team afterwards it's just I think to a certain extent it's about what works for you as a player and what gets you in the right mindset I mean there's some There's some players that are are at their best when they're playing out of sheer joy. So think of like a Steph Curry type player when he's just having fun and he's just he's unstoppable. And then you have some players that just when they're angry and, and when they're feeling like they feel sheer rage. I mean, that's when they're unstoppable. So you're talking about Kobe Bryant yes it's, right. it's it, in in that sense, right? It's and there whatever. are
2: parallels in soccer, right? Like yeah. going it, like people in, in in our sport go into fuck you mode all the time. Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, is one of them. Who, yeah, yeah. If he comes in like firing and angry, then he's gonna have a great game. But if he comes in kind of bored and annoyed, then he's gonna he's gonna be mm-hmm. you know useless. Uh, I think. Isco is one of the people who, I mean, the classic one, actually, if you guys remember, Benzema and Higuain, during that whole thing, Karim Benz, everyone was like, well, this competition will be good for him and all this stuff, but all it did was make him not play as well and as soon as Higuain left Benzema became like this force to be reckoned with and he like leaned into this you know starring role and he believed in himself uh and there are some players that need like to feel the the coach and and the fan be behind them and I think part of Benzema's current goal scoring yips is that he doesn't feel that support from at least from the fans
0: this, yeah, and that's you know what's really cool about this entire discussion is that kind of reminds us basically how much psychology there is in sports and all of this stuff. It's like, and if if Zidane feels like this is like this is the, a right move to light a you know light something in his team, then then go for it. I you know like it's like you said, Gabe, like everyone reacts differently to certain things, whether it's Benzema or like, and you want to go to NBA references, like you know how KG was just the complete asshole on the court. But it worked. Like it he really got in people's heads. And um, you know, we have like the Draymond equivalent now who also like, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. One of the cool things I mentioned sometimes
2: he likes to kick people in the balls.
0: One of the cool things I mentioned to Diego, because I don't know, somehow discussion like this came up on the Churosy Tacticus podcast was uh Bill Simmons had recently written an article about MJ and LeBron. And one of the things he said in it was uh, Like it was literally in the scouting report of coaches going against the Bulls in that era. They were like, "Don't say anything to Michael Jordan. Don't trash talk him. Keep your head down. Don't make eye contact." But if because if you piss him off at all, he's going to burn us. And like it's just like really cool. Like that kind of psychology is like actually detailed. Like in like it's it's part of it. Yeah, it's smart
2: for them to do that. Just like we know that there are ways to (laughs) to harry Messi, right? Like hit him hit him hard, hit him often. Like he's going to be annoyed. And if the referee, especially if the referee isn't calling it and you're hitting him in these ways that throw him off his game, even slightly, he gets really frustrated. That does, does that mean he's not going to score 10 goals? No, it just means that he may very well in those games. He tends to have worse performances uh, that, you know, again, Messi, one of the greatest, if not the greatest all time player, he's not, he's going to burn you anyways. But there's a reason that people like Kovacic when when he executes that plan flawlessly, clearly and viscerally and visually frustrates Lionel Messi.
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to what Kian was saying about Michael Jordan, I I wonder why football teams and fans haven't really got that memo about Ronaldo. I mean, how many do? The, how many times do these <laughs> idiot fans, you know, s- sit there in the stands and say "Es portugués hijo puta es"? They say that over and over again. And then Ronaldo destroys them. Or the Times I mean, Or even the stupidest one is when they
2: go on in the Champions League away matches and the, the entire CM yeah. chance messy at him. Do you think is that any way to make this guy play worse? It's the opposite. <laughs> There's a reason he's scoring all these goals in the Champions League. If you're sitting there yelling, Messi he's like, Yeah, oh, all right, well, check this out. Yeah. But I'm gonna score an overhead kick yeah. just out of nowhere.
0: They should give him a pasillo to disarm him. Give him no reason.
2: Yeah. And the team should fucking applaud him when they get onto the field, just, just to mess with him.
0: That would be, to me, that would be the ultimate petty move, is if you draw Barca semif- in the semifinals, and then you trash them in the first leg, and then give them a passio in the second leg for their efforts. I would own. That would I would be, own. If we ever did that, I would, that's it, I would... I would die happily right on the spot. Like this is the peak of humanity right here. This is peak pettiness. This is perfect.
2: Yeah, and I love petty. I love petty. That's actually one of. The, I mean, look, I, I have my differences, but I loved Mourinho for that exact reason because that—that's exactly the type of shit Mourinho would have done. Yeah, and like he's bad. Like did a lot of bad, dumb stuff, but like that is not one. That shit was not one. Like he, he, him being super petty and dumb is still awesome. Um. So, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to mention uh, before we jump into some of these questions? We
0: have a few. I have a, a few things. Uh, just a couple of bullet points I'll add about the game. Word. Um, Om mentioned some of the tactical stuff, which which was um, good. I think some one thing that I think shouldn't go unnoticed was Lucas Vasquez in this game, who I thought was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, again, his stuff a lot of it will go under the radar because in a game like this, especially when you're trying to break down a barricade and the you know you're looking at the trying to trying to stay focused and transition on defense, stopping counterattacks and I think Lucas did a lot of good work defensively, and he also was um, you know he tried his best and had some successful dribbles and did a lot offensively. Like Vasquez did a lot of great defensive work, and I think him and Bale did a lot you know just try to help break the barricade down, and it was a more difficult task than you know we know we think it was it was really difficult, even despite this not being the best. Version of Atlético and stuff and and um, you know what so I want to give it a shout a shout out to Lucas Vasquez and uh, I also think collectively we should talk about Kovacic because what was your breakdown of the goal conceded and then the ensuing play where Vitolo almost scored Kaylor saved it because I thought you I, I I went back and I watched that sequence and I kept pressing pause and play and seeing where everybody was and you kind of noticed. Partey has the ball, Ramos hedges forward, and he peels off of Vitolo, who was his man initially, and then, or was it Griezmann, one of the two, and no one covers for him. So then Vitolo has a free run in the box because, um, you know, no one, we just don't have the resources to kind of step up and help Ramos in that situation. But then you look at Kovacic, he has plenty of opportunities to just drop back in the box and close Griezmann down, and I thought he should have done better. And then he was nowhere to be seen also when he was one of the men back uh, defending FitoLo on, on the ensuing chance. Not yeah. to, th- not to th- you know, throw shade, but, I, you know, Kovacic has been fantastic. Generally. Yeah, do
2: better. Like, we, yeah. we, we're we at a point now with him where he has blossomed from an exciting center midfield prospect to world-class center midfielder. And when world-class center midfielders have mediocre games, it's totally okay to call him out for it. This was
1: not one of Kovacic's better games yeah, so I'm looking at the play now, and it's really difficult to tell. I mean, because the, the it's like a split second second decision. So the deal is is Ramos Ramos has pulled out because Atletico Madrid kind of the way they they they're underrated in possession in some way. so they what they try to do is they will they they will try to circulate the ball backwards. When they can't penetrate immediately to kind of see if it draws the opposition out and so that's what they do they get the ball in a situation and the issue here is is has to do with compactness and our lack of defensive organization so i think it's partay on the ball um like Keon was saying and we don't have a defensive midfielder one of our two central midfielders are not in an area to challenge and so that forces ramos to step up and that causes a ball to be played into griezmann And so then there's space that Ramos has left behind. And within that split second, second when Griezmann has the ball and is about to make the pass, Kovacic has to decide whether he's going to go and cover for that space or whether he thinks Ramos is going to get back and he's going to cover the space that Partey is taking. So, I mean, this is a lot to follow. So if you're listening to at this point, you should probably go and watch the goal (laughs) along at the same time. But it's, it's that split-second decision. You can see that there's that moment where Kovacic checks himself right before the ball is played, and that slips Griezmann through. And obviously, Ramos cannot catch up because he moves out of position because our, our entire structure is out of shape. And, you know, I think it's slightly harsh to look at that instance and say, well, I mean, I think maybe a really, really intelligent defensive player. is Maybe if you put Casemiro there, I think Casemiro might have read it better. But I think you guys are right when you say overall. I I didn't feel like Kovacic did did that much in this game. I thought Kroos was the more impressive player of the two in that double pivot.
0: I don't know how much patience you guys have with me right now, but I have like one, two, three more bullet points. (laughs) <laughs> i'm all i'm all
1: for talking about this man i've enjoyed this tactical discussion so far i always like
2: listening to your
0: points kian yeah that's,
2: there's that's a reason
0: this show kind. works that's kind um one is one of the things that kind of like we were talking about earlier how whether like did we actually really was our body language like were we really putting our soul into this game and wanting to win it that badly like we were talking about earlier like did either team really care about this game? It was kind of a, a not a very hyped derby. One, um, <clears throat> the Ronaldo coming off for of Benzema sub was definitely predetermined. Like a lot of people were like, "Why did Zidane do that? He he? Why did he? You know, like because because this was definitely like before the game. Zidane basically said, Cristiano, you 'Cristiano, you're gonna play this much in this game because we don't want to overplay overpay you overplay you the the, the league is done.'" and it's we just want you to rest for the key stretch here the other thing was uh that was interesting was that we talked about like kind of the differences between this game and the 3-0 at the Bernabéu last season the Champions League semifinals where Real Madrid like really put in an amazing shift in this game their kind of response was they had 41 crosses from the flanks, and that one they had about 20. And I think, not to say like it's necessarily good or bad, but I did think that stuck out in the sense that 41. I'm I'm pretty sure someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was a season high. I our season average is 27 at home, and if yeah. we if we really really go high, we do 30, 31, 41 was just basically. And by the way, maybe that's another testament to Atleti. It was just like you know we're not as good as we used to be, but we're we can still just fend off everything. You just you just be your predictable selves and and, and cross everything, and we'll just we'll just snuff it out. And I mean, yeah,
1: that's how we usually play against Atleti, anyway. I mean, I think the interesting <clears throat> comparison is to go back and look at what our average crosses are against Atleti, especially in the league. And I, I don't know if it will be 41 crosses, but I think it will be around that ballpark because they deny access to the center very, very well. Um, I think Carlos Valladere is um, uh, a tactician and a, he's an Atletico Madrid fan and he does really, really good work on Twitter. I mean, he he works for a club now, an MLS club, I think. Um, so he doesn't write as much, but you can go back and look at some of the articles he's written. He writes really good stuff on Atletico Madrid's defensive organization and how Simeone switches things up. So against Barcelona, he tends to use a very man-oriented system and he tends to press more, whereas against Real Madrid, he tends to be more zonal. And he is more zonal because against Real Madrid, he's very, very obsessed with blocking off access to the center. And he knows that we, we just, especially under Zidane, we don't access those central areas as well or as much. And with the way we set up, um, we don't often have a number 10 type player like a Messi that needs to be tracked man-to-man. And so he just shuts off those lanes very well. I don't think he did it as well this match, but he shuts them off very well generally. And that forces us wide. And and we don't, we regardless of whether you allow us through the center or not, we want to go wide and cross anyway. So when you shut off that option almost completely, it's obviously just going to, you know, basically make us cross, you know, a hundred times more. And so I think it would be interesting to see whether the crossing data versus Atletico Madrid over the Simeone era, especially in La Liga, verifies that.
0: I have the stats if, I, if you want to, if you're curious. Uh, yeah, of course I'm curious. <laughs> uh, Why
1: you ask the question?
0: It, according to <laughs> who scored head-to-head Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. But see, this is what's confusing. So this is uh but it includes champions league right this is 2000 2008 so this is the thing i i don't yeah i can't really do this on the spot because this is based on year by year it's not an average of like la liga but yeah yeah 2017 2018 which is essentially what two games we played against yeah. them yeah so it's not yeah. you can't but the average in case you are not in interested for those two games was 24 crosses uh so the first one was substantially lower then. Mm. But I can't. Yeah, it's this is the thing. Like, it's you need a bigger sample size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um.
2: Oh, here's something.
0: Uh,
2: I mean, I think Ohm's question was more about going back over the entire Simeone era, which right. I, I yeah, would which also. do a lot of work right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. By the way, second straight game, Isco uh, didn't misplace a single pass. Only 31 today off the bench, obviously. Atletico are not going to press him much, but just something to note. I, I like Isco off the bench. I feel like I feel like we should be, be in questions now, but I just
1: want to like quickly say I really liked whatever little Isco got off the bench because I feel like he's one of the perfect players to play against Atleti simply because against deep blocks like this, sometimes you just need a player who can dribble past like five guys and create something because sometimes, I mean, that's how Barcelona do it. Tons of times, right? They have players like they, or they had Neymar, but they had Messi and Neymar, especially when Neymar was there. They'd have them run at players and combine and do that sort of thing. Um, and I still think that Isco was our most important player in that 3 0 demolition away at the Calderon. It, it was born simply just out of him doing ridiculous things like juggling the balls over players. So I would have liked to see him start when a 4 2 3 1 with Bale on the left, but, um, that didn't happen. I'm still happy with, you know, the minutes I saw from his goal. He didn't do anything spectacular, but I, I saw potential. I saw some bright spots there.
2: Yep, agreed. Uh, I, I love that. I mean, we've been calling for that four-two-three-one or some version of it all season, and uh, we didn't get it again today. But it seems it's hard to, uh, you know, get, as Kian and I mentioned, it's hard to uh, call into question things that are working. So if it ain't broke... Hard to fix it. This match, obviously, though, it you know, it wasn't didn't work like they did against Juve. And I wish that Zidane would have a little bit more technical flexibility or at least understand that tactically his his shtick hasn't worked as well this season in La Liga, even if it has worked still basically in the Champions League. Um, you guys ready for questions? Do some questions. We we don't have tons, luckily, uh, and they're not super involved, which is also good. So just jumping right in, for example. Um, all right, Abdul Al-Shalan, I'm sorry, Abdullah Shalan asks this. Um, the 1-1 scoreline doesn't do this game justice. I think both teams did very well according to their game plans. I just thought – th- um, wait a minute. Okay, that's not a question. Question. I thought Bale was fantastic today. Could he take Bessama's <laughs> spot as number 10? Uh, we No. We, uh, this is an annoying question because it's can Bale play in Bezema spot in the lineup – and the answer is in a 4 two, three, one which is something that we've discussed a billion times, that's basically what he would do. But he wouldn't be uh, what we would understand to be a
0: traditional number 10. The reality is that unless Rafa Benitez comes back to the door, I don't, I don't ever see Bale playing in that position again. Uh, not for I Real Madrid anyway. I, you know, I. And also we have to k- take into consideration... we back Rafa! Yeah. We take, this is where
1: everyone in. stops listening to the pod, and <laughs> and our completion rate statistic just goes out the window. The reality <laughs> is when you have Isco and about that.
0: Isco and Asensio in the team, also you just you kind of just use yeah. your resources the way you have them, and just
2: also the very few players who can do what Benzema does. So, you know, they they actually complement each other pretty well, Bale and Benzema. I, I like them together, but um, you know. I know people that it's kind of fashionable to hate on Benzema right now. As a Hariri asks us, can we confidently say that Ronaldo is 95% responsible for Real Madrid's resurgence in 2018 with his amazing goal-scoring streak? Without him, we wouldn't have scored most goals. Um, this is interesting counterfactual because... He wasn't scoring, and so then he began scoring, and then Madrid got better, obviously. But I don't know if that, by definition, without him, we wouldn't have scored most goals. Um, But, yeah, he rules. It's awesome he's back. I do think he's hugely responsible, if also because he was extremely partially responsible for Real Madrid sucking for the uh, beginning or the end of 2017.
1: I mean, I don't. I don't know about ninety. Depends on what you mean by responsibility, I guess. I mean, I don't know about ninety-five percent. I it's very hard to assign. I mean, I I know he. I know he was kind of being like, just, he was just kind of throwing that out there to put emphasis. But just speaking very seriously, it's very difficult to assign percentages yeah. like this because, I I said this so many times. Success is a very complex thing. It's very hard to assess the multitude of factors that come into playing into success. That being said, obviously Ronaldo is extremely responsible. So if you look at our goal scorers this season it it really just kind of has been Ronaldo just kind of scoring all the goals I mean Benzema's goal scoring has dropped off significantly this season I mean his goals to xg wasn't that terrible last season I mean it was a bit under but this season it is pretty bad he's basically scoring at like half the rate he should be which Ronaldo was actually worse um in the first half of 2017, but he's picked it up so much. I mean, he scored 20 goals in his last 10 games. It's ridiculous. He's picked it up so much that he's basically almost level with his expected goal total now. Um, It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, tactically, I think... I'd say we've become more solid. I mean, to me, this is not the, like, peak Zidane I saw last season especially in big games where he'd really put out really really coherent schemes especially in pressing i don't since the super cup versus barcelona i don't think we've had a a very uh, you know a very very solid like high level manchester city like liverpool type pressing game throughout the entire season even though we've attempted to do that no but i think tactically we have just become more solid i I think some of the big game tactics like versus juventus versus psg i don't think it was perfect I thought I, I didn't think the the opposing managers necessarily set up in the best way against it but it was it but while while it maybe wasn't inspired it it had less issues it had <coughs> less holes in it and so, so when you provide that kind of just slightly more stable kind of background for your team to shine through then it it, it makes that difference in that way and also I think yeah, other dude. players have stepped up in in that way like Kroos Modric have just become you know yeah. better in this half yeah. the season. Uh This
2: is a great question, so I hope you guys are ready for it. Um, Christopher McCormick, um, who's a great follow on Twitter and great friend of the show, um, has, as usual, another awesome question. (laughs) I got super salty about Griezmann's goal celebration. He's a player that really gets under my skin at the moment, and I don't know why. The question (laughs) – this is so cool. Is there any player currently playing or retired that gets under your skin when they play well against Madrid or score against us – and Keon, he he wants you to please keep your incoming Raul Garcia rant brief.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keon, why don't you talk about Raul Garcia <laughs> cuz we know that No, that's where I I going. can't
0: I can't talk about Raul Garcia without my blood boiling. I can't. It's...
2: Is that the point of this question though? Yeah, but I
0: I, I just I
2: right, Well then throw us a curveball.
0: <clears throat> well, here's a curveball. I didn't I don't it didn't bother me at all the way Griezmann celebrated. Maybe I, I kind of it was weird to me the outrage on Twitter. I first of all I don't get it. I understand it's a Fortnite celebration. I've never played this game, so I I, I can't care. understand I the context. This. And this, all you I, fucking nerds, god damn it! <laughs> <laughs> just I, I also just I also saw people upset that Atletico celebrated equalizing a goal like that. Whereas like, look, this is Atletico against Real Madrid. This is their. This this is kind of their chip on their shoulder. And this is like their shtick is like, hey, we are not supposed to be as good as you. We're like these working class, you know, players and fans. (laughs) And so the fact that we actually scored against you is like, you know, you guys should be ashamed. And this is like, I remember being at the Bernabeu for last year's derby and being at both Simeone's and Zidane's presser. And the body language between the two, Zidane walked in like he had just lost. Simeone came in, he was like laughing, he was so happy, he, and he like celebrating, and this is, you know, I, it doesn't bother me as much as other stuff, like, if if you ask me, is there any other player currently playing our retire that gets under my skin, Griezmann is not one of them, but... Not even on my list, actually. No, yeah. but Jordi Alba is probably number one.
2: <laughs> oh, wow, interesting. Yeah. He's yeah. the Barca guy that gets under your skin the most? Oh,
0: 100%, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, I... I mean, Yori Alba is a good one. His shithousery level is, is, is underrated, to say the least. Um, Basically, so... This is a very controversial statement as a Madrid fan, but you know that team Barcelona? Basically, every single player that plays for them gets under my skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Some I, I don't, don't, another, if, I don't know yeah. if any of you other Real Madrid fans feel the same way, but if you do, please, please hit me up on Twitter because I feel like this is a new phenomenon that needs to be researched. But yeah, that team... Yeah, I don't like that team. Um Diego Costa obviously is is enemy number 1 for me. I I haven't liked him from That's the beginning. Funny. I never will like him. Um I just think he's just a dick. Like I mean, you, I mean you can go through and just count through the things he's done. Um Raul Garcia, not a fan. Um Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't want to talk about Raul Garcia. He
2: <laughs> fucking sucks so bad. Uh but I also think that Keon does better talking about Raul Garcia than than me. So I won't <laughs> I what I'm going to do I'm also going to throw a curveball because um, check it out. I um, historically haven't liked anyone that plays for Barcelona. That's a big deal. But <laughs> I, I would also I, I want to add though, I, just just because we haven't done any real historical uh, stuff, uh, my my guy is 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 Mark van Bommel, um, who I fucking detested uh, when he played for Bayern Munich. I still hate him. I hate. It's making me angry thinking about him. Uh, and I'm I'm still I'm still angry uh, that he didn't get suspended for flipping off, literally running to at the Bernabeu crowd and flipping them off when he scored. Uh, I'm angry. That was in like 2002. I'm not gonna get. I won't get over that, it. That I'm was essentially
0: the goal right. that knocked us out because stop telling me to 3-1 get over it. was three one before that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. I also uh, will special honorable mention to the dirtiest player uh, of all time. Um, is that the Dutch dude what's his name the, the, the ch- karate kick Chavi Alonso the, Nigel oh, De Jong, De Jong. Is, yeah. that is not even the worst shit that guy's done he has done career ending injuries and just got up and been like yeah I mean I did that like whatever like people should be you know not in my way
0: he huge piece of shit huge piece the of shit the amount of you know some, the amount of bones and balls that Materazzi broke before he retired is actually also a crazy number, and yet somehow he is like an infinitely superior, ethically human being than Jordi Alba. Fuck him. Fuck Marco Materazzi. I
2: I don't know whether we did it on this show or when we talked about this. I don't know which one of you I did this with, but I am so Team Zinedine Zidane. He did nothing wrong during that game. He uh, scored one of the most ballsy penalties in the history of the World Cup. Uh, and then he headbutted a guy who was calling him racial insults. Stop telling me that he did anything wrong because he didn't. Um, teams, Indians, done. Last well, person. As in so, the right.
0: fact yeah, that if he basically caused his, his nation to lose yeah, the World Cup. Yeah,
2: it doesn't so, matter. Stop. I'm not, this, I'm not backing down from this. People
1: need to stop tweeting at me about this. <laughs> so I I want to throw another curveball if I can. So I, I don't like Thomas Muller at all yeah he's annoying which i i I don't know if that seems weird because like yeah but like right like so why would i dislike this random binding player so like what kind of got me like annoyed was when he made that comment towards san marino when when germany played them and like germany thrashed them eight nil and then thomas moeder came out and said i don't see the point of playing these amateurs you know we're just going to get injured and so like i mean it was just ridiculously disrespectful right i mean this is another professional team that's in you know whatever like um just world it was in your world cup qualifying group and so you played them and it was just it was so arrogant and like disrespectful that type of comment and then what really really pissed me off about him is when he like backstabbed Ancelotti because essentially what made Ancelotti's like final like You know, this season, before Jupp came over and took over, was like, the reason it was bad is because the players just turned on him. And they turned on him because, you know, a variety of reasons. But essentially, he wasn't Pep Guardiola, and that pissed him off. And Thomas Muller was one of the lead guys who said, yeah, you know what, we're going to start playing like shit so Ancelotti gets fired. That's what they did. You know, Robin was one of those people, but Robin was a rounded player. I mean, I've liked him all along. I mean... I, I, I look less, I, I don't look as as well upon him now, but I don't dislike him the same way that I do Thomas Muller because I've never had a reason to like Thomas Muller in the first place.
2: Right, in the future, I want to do one one question. Someone remember to ask this for one of our guaranteed <coughs> patrons because I want to do one question when you, where someone says, what is the one Barcelona player you guys like. I also want to add to my list of people that I hate. Um, Eleanor has actually been listening in on this show. She texted me because I forgot him. Luis Suarez, man, huge piece of shit. Like, not only uh, is he an actual human being who eats the flesh and consumes the flesh of other (laughs) humans, he also is a huge racist. And, like, that was that that whole thing. How do we – people just, like, glossed over that. But, like – he 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 fucking he sucks so bad. I really really don't like him. He's my least favorite player, and it was I was really happy when my least favorite team got my least favorite player.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I, like every time, every time there's a clasico, it re- reminds us of all this, all these reasons we hate them. That's and you know, like we sometimes we're like we don't think about them, and then we play them like, oh my god, these guys are actual like.
2: Right, and then, like, someone that we haven't even mentioned will do something obnoxious, like Sergio Busquets will dive and then, like, look at the referee through his fingers while he's on the ground and will be like, you know, oh, right, I forgot that he's actually the guy that we hate the most. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so last question, because this has been a long show, but that's cool. Um, Shea Kateri, great friend of the show. Um, So he says, I'm thinking out loud here, um, and I'd appreciate it if you guys elaborate. I'm just going to put out the resting for the Juve game out of the equation. Three goals ahead and a home game in hand isn't that scary at all. Overall, we played very well, and we got unlucky. Zidane not playing Modric, however, was a big error. An even bigger error was uh, withdrawing our best forward for our worst one. Why? 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 Bale is great, but he is a little rusty after almost a year of not playing regularly. He needs more time ahead of his Champions League semifinal and hopefully final. He is fini- His finishing is a little off. I usually don't watch non-Madrid games. Atletico always plays like barbarians in 500 BC against us. Is it the regular player or just us? All right, let's take these one at a time. Uh, I think wasting for the Juve game is fine. I don't care. Zidane not playing. Uh, Modric... I actually also think you're wrong. I'm fine with him not playing Modric because Modric um, is the type of player, if he gets an injury, the entire season is ruined. Um, there, the, He is really that that important for this Madrid team, I think. So if we don't have to play him, why the fuck should
1: we not play I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, so the Modric thing didn't bother me as much. I like because minutes in midfield is a big issue and we need to get them while we can. And for a player like Kovacic, who's becoming better every day. We he I I don't mind giving him big game minutes. These are good tests for him, especially in a relatively low risk environment, or as yep. low risk as it can be in a Madrid Derby. But I wasn't a fan of taking Ronaldo off because I, I still want to win the game. I mean it's a Madrid Derby. I still want to get I still want to be as high up in the table as I can. And like Shay said, with three 0 up versus Juventus Ronaldo didn't play versus Las Palmas. I don't think it's a huge deal for him to play two games in four days. I mean, I'm also not mad, like, you know, infuriated that Zidane took him off, but I wasn't a fan because if we were going to win that game, I I really felt Ronaldo has to be on the pitch to score another goal. So I... It's not something that I would have done. I don't think it makes the most sense if you really look at how his minutes yeah. have been distributed lately and given our advantage over Juventus. But it's not the biggest deal.
2: It, yeah, it also doesn't matter that much. Um, I also agree. Madrid played a pretty strong game,
0: anyways. I um, um, the last I, bit
2: about, yeah, go sorry. Ahead.
0: Just, just on this topic, I, <clears throat> I don't. I, you know, I, I, I see your point on, but like you know, seeing Ronaldo see it out and he hasn't played much recently. Um and I don't feel s- too strongly either way to to disagree with you or agree with you but I will say that if we zoom out w- and realize what the season is like what is left of the season the only thing that matters is lifting that trophy in Milan uh in I June. think that
2: I think beating Barcelona and their stupid uh invincible streak is is not equally important but like Sure
1: but
0: but yeah. Almost but do you do you
1: think do you think that playing Ronaldo for the rest of that game hurts hurts that? No. I mean, I do, do you really oh, think no. it's, there's a high chance of 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 like that of Ronaldo playing the rest of the game, and therefore for that reason we're not going to go on to win the champions? Like already well, has a significant true. effect.
0: I don't. But that's why I said I don't I don't really disagree or agree with you either way because I don't feel that strongly about it. Like yeah, you said, like you I weren't know. that pissed off that yeah, he came yeah, up, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. wanted him to finish it. But my point the, is I, that. Yeah. My point is that we all remember the was the year after we won La Decima when Modric got burnt out and Cruz got overworked and we also remember last season when we peaked in April and that a huge part of that was because Zidane was able to give rest to a bunch of key and older players when he when you know like Ancelotti didn't and I think so to me like if all all of this stuff is semantics like we won't remember any of this stuff what we're going to remember is what we happens in the Champions League and if that means predetermined rest for Modric for him to be key let's say in a Champions yep. League semi-final against Barca I, I just don't care again I don't feel strongly either way but I totally get why Zidane is doing it this way
2: can you not say the phrase Champions League semifinal against Barca again I'm on this sorry, show, please? Well,
1: um, it's better than a final. I, I would die if there was a fucking final.
2: I'll take them this semi Yeah, I think we already talked about We talked about this briefly on our last yeah. show, Kian, because, like, this is... Uh, I'm not sure, <laughs> I, I already told Kian, I know this is, like, really blasphemous, but I'm not even sure I'd be able to watch that game. Um,
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be able to either.
2: If the physical... Like, this is what I said. Like, the physical pain that would come from the anguish that i would be feeling mentally would maybe be too much for me to watch the match and i think i think that's likely um
0: but how what what would be the feeling of winning it'd be great man it's just too fucking risky it would also it would also be a feeling
2: both of greatness but also of just utter relief
1: yeah it, it'd be too much stress in the meantime man it's like the case of like just the stress overwhelming. it would
2: rule like in a, a few weeks after but for like i think after the game i would just probably go to sleep because of how stressed out i was through the whole match what was one of the
0: <laughs> what was the most stressful moment of your marita life was it was it minute 91 of the champions league final Yes. Without and, a, and what was the, happiest, of fucking, not, what not was the happiest moment of, of your a, life not a, dude
1: I was about to start crying man Yeah. I, I was about yeah. to
2: start fucking crying I was curled up in a ball <laughs> Eleanor tells this story I was curled up in a ball like at the foot of my couch saying like why do I like sports that was, like, <laughs> That's I mean that's a fact Josh Zeilen was also there basically doing the same thing it was fucking terrible uh but yeah and then he scores <laughs> didn't matter but that was awful um but and also great i would also say um one of the times i almost threw up watching sports was when uh arian robin got free on Iker casillas in the 2010 world cup final and mm. casillas did that that foot save but like when he got free i was like oh my god spain yeah. is gonna choke out the world cup and mm. then they didn't uh all right well he's the last what's the last um I think that was basically it from from Shay's
0: question, right? Yeah, Did a lot of this was just statements, not questions. yeah, I mean I, I agree with yeah. it, some of it,
2: but I think that uh, generally, Shay, I, I don't care as much, I think as you, which is totally fair. you care, caring or or like having an opinions about this stuff is is absolutely fine. I just personally don't don't care um about resting players given everything. um i I actually read an article recently. And I think one of the Spanish publications that talked about how over the last two years, Ronaldo has rested more than he rested over the last previous five, Um, which I think is a huge long-term strategy. So giving Ronaldo minutes to rest, giving him entire games off is a strategy I'm hopeful that Madrid, and I know this is strange to hear, but I hope Madrid does more of that. All yeah, right.
0: We are, we are speechless at at, at your great monologue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was just so brilliant what I just said about how like, we are in, uh, Dude, we had no we see, have no um, rebuttal. Let's did see. you guys see that unbelievably thirsty Cadena Cope um article about Cristiano Ronaldo's body? Uh no, they published
1: I, <laughs> it was I, have like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about
2: they published this like full page spread of a shirtless cristiano ronaldo and boxers and they, they it was like they were pretending that it was about how like oh cristiano ronaldo has like a great a great body for a sports player but really it was just like look at how hot cristiano ronaldo is guys and they were doing stuff like cristiano ronaldo has like only like seven percent muscle or, like uh seven percent body fat mm. and like mm.
1: Can you send oh, I saw, I saw tweets, like, about the 7% body fat. Dude, video.
2: it is, and, but, like, what no one is talking about is how that, that whole thing is basically just, like, Spanish soccer playboy. Like, just, <laughs> because, like, it was. Like, they're, they're, like, you can give us those facts without having, like, the shirtless, like, like the, 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 the boxers, Cristiano Ronaldo, like, flexing. Like, just, you know. But no, of course, that, that's not what that was about. It was about showing us shirtless Cristiano Ronaldo. And look, let's be clear, good-looking guy.
0: Whatever, good whatever gets the clicks and any pays any, the bills, man.
2: Right, and I don't I don't have any problem looking at his body. I'm just saying, like, they should be a little more honest about it. And if you're going to do it, like, do the dick pic, man. Show his dick. If it's gonna <laughs> really good, just do it. <laughs> All I mean, right, this is where we fucking end the this podcast. This is the end of the show. It's <laughs> the end of the show. Zero percent
0: completion rate.
2: You can edit, <laughs> <gonna> edit. <laughs> edit that out. You can edit
0: that. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna edit it out. We we need this is transparent, unfiltered.
2: The world
0: needs to <laughs> Except know. for that part where remember, I messed remember, up. Remember, you're gonna, remember you're, gonna
2: added- edit out, you're gonna go back and edit out the parts where you messed up, but not the part <laughs> where I told Katena to just publish
1: Cristiano Ronaldo's dick pic. Um, remember remember one of the earlier podcasts we had how Gabe like got uh, it wasn't really a question. to a guy who said, like, can you please use less profanity or something like that? I can't imagine. <laughs> if he's up, still listening, imagine how he feels now. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Yeah, he's done. He
2: checked out. I can't, yeah. can't imagine he continued to listen to this no, show. he's done. <laughs> uh, all right, well. Um, let's do patron so we'll shoutouts. Yeah, let's do patron shoutouts and then we'll do plugs. Um, so, yeah, patron shoutouts. outs uh,
0: As you know, uh you know, if you want to support the show, you want to get different rewards. Patreon.com/slash/managingmadrid. We'll also be kind of restructuring the award system moving forward. So those of you who are already in, you're in. Your in, and uh, those of you who want to get in at a uh, you know a, a exclusive rate, we're going to be bumping it up to three dollars minimum. Um, I think starting in in May or June. I'm not. We're gonna release it officially, but. If you want to get in before that and take advantage, you'll get in for one dollar. But after, it'll be three dollars. Shout out to all of our amazing patrons. And so, if,
2: what he means is, if you uh, if you are in right now at the one dollar level, it's cool. You yeah. will be grandfathered, You're so in. you can jump in, join now. But if you aren't are thinking about joining, uh, and you wait until like may or june when we change when we change it up um the ground level is going to be the three dollar donation five dollars again is is what you really should do because then you can write us um questions like who is uh y- your least favorite um barcelona player and the answer is all of them
0: shout out to <laughs> agreed shout out to all of our amazing patrons there are 380 of you now it's amazing. Shout out to these patrons specifically who pledge ten dollars or more, which one of your rewards is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Nick DeStefane, Frederick Sundros, Leon Stavronakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Nick Robero, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Hatiri. Ian Marley, Dan Berthy, Jahan Watson, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy O'Bey, Daniel Smith, Solomon Ortiz, Jeanette and Jeremiah Rogers. Thank you so much, guys. All
2: right, welcome. <laughs> uh and so let's do some plugs, Keon. Do you have any um uh any people that you want to bring on the show, uh that, or or articles that are coming up? Om, either of you guys I, have any of the plug?
1: I'm fucking useless as always, so no.
0: <laughs> oh, at some point, we'll, he'll feel like doing a tactical video and he'll put it out. But
1: at the end of the semester, I will try my hardest.
0: Tomorrow, Trudersy Tacticas podcast, um, no doubt, will be heated because Diego wants to talk about this pasillo issue. Uh, and uh, you should bring me on,
1: Tia. I'm just saying. Yeah, you have Ooh, that that you. sounds like the next Ronaldo versus Messi type. It's podcast. gonna be a.
0: It's gonna be a spicy. Lots of clicks generated and a lot of anger and people are threatening us to to. To kick someone, to stop off the listening
2: show. to the
0: show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday, possibly uh, this guy bailed on me last time, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, a, a UVA journalist, I'm not going to mention his name now, but he'll come on the show Wednesday for our patrons. But we'll see. That's That'd all I be got. awesome.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, and let's fix football. We're trying to put together uh, our show for this week. Coming up, um, we uh, I think we want to talk with our buddy Ernesto Alvarado, finally um, our reigning champ guest, to come back to talk about the bidding process for the twenty uh, twenty six World Cup because the bids were officially announced and we have we had we had a number of jokes we made about them, but they're actually serious things that we are uh, going to go ahead and jump into. Also, um, want to plug. Uh, you yeah, I think Liz is going to come out with um, some more actual writing soon, which I'm excited to to, to read. And finally, um, I just want to say uh, everyone should watch uh, MLS because uh, for no other reason, Zlatan. Zlatan, man, he's just so awesome. Just watch Zlatan. He's he's really good. He's still really good, and he's really fun. So he's also like fucking six five. I did not know that. So and did anyway, you know that,
0: he looks really small compared to Shaq. In a picture
2: you found a picture with shaq i could only just recently he was hanging Robbie out with nba Luke players lopez.
0: yeah he was hanging out with nba players just a couple days ago he was staying next to shaq and That's just really. dwarfed there was someone else too yeah who it was That's what i'm saying brooke lopez i oh, there's a yeah, photo of lopez. him yeah.
2: with yeah. Brook lopez whereas Z- was is just like who the fuck is this guy yeah. oh my god i see the
1: picture of jesus
2: christ last time
1: actually looks small this is insane <laughs>
2: Zlatan's picture with Brooke Lopez is my favorite, current favorite Zlatan content um, from the MLS uh, uh, so alright so until um, you hear from us on Wednesday if you're a patron, jump in now, get in the ground floor now because we will be making some changes uh, until then ala Madrid ala Madrid ala Madrid One offer per account. Offer subject to change. 12 dollars per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 4 p Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Introducing the amazing iPhone 10s. you'll love on T-Mobile. The most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone 10s on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE cancel service. Remaining balances too. due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price nine ninety nine dollars 99 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.